Hi, this is Andrew Lada. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 54. My creative juices are flowing. Oops. By the way, that title won over Nico's suggestion of lions, tigers, and abortion. Oh my. So the recent passage of the Texas law banning abortion after about six weeks or whenever a heartbeat is detectable has brought back one of my love-hate relationships, the abortion debate. Now, on the one hand, it's one of the most interesting possible practical debates that one could ever engage in. And sure, one can debate about whether God exists or whether reality is just a construct of human perception or whether Kim Kardashian's ass is real. But these high-level metaphysical debates don't have much real-world consequence. On the other hand, uh, debating federal spending limits or whether there should be so many damn parking spots for disabled people at the gym, those rarely lead to much in the way of interesting or meaningful content, as practical as they are. The sweet spot in all this is abortion, the abortion debate. You have an interplay of morality, religion, the meaning of life, state versus federal rights, and individual freedoms. But it also has real-world consequences on the daily existence for many people. Fun! This is why I try to bring it up as often as possible during family gatherings and picnics. It's my goal to make abortion discussions as common in personal interactions as someone showing you a TikTok of puppies doing adorable shit, like playing with baby ducks or whatever. So when I was a teenager, I would listen to a local radio DJ in the mornings before going to school. He was quite liberal, liked to argue with his fan base, don't remember his name, and it doesn't matter. Uh, At the time, he was discussing abortion because this was the peak period in the religious right movement and the get your hands off my body rhetoric. Um, And his point was that the conservatives who are against abortion should put up all the money to support the children who would be born into poor families without the means to support the children and who you're forcing to have the children. Also, those conservatives should adopt all of the babies would be born to mothers who didn't want them. Clearly, that's not good for the mother or the child. So you adopt them. His point was that legal abortion kept us from dealing with the consequences of unwanted and unsupported children. Now, being a pain in the ass, I called his radio discussion phone number hotline on my landline phone, my parents' landline phone actually, connected to the wall with a cord. But I got through, I got on air, and I told him, I agree with you. In fact, I think we need to take this further. We should allow parents of children who can't support those children financially or who decide in retrospect that they didn't really want this child to abort them postpartum. And I suggested maybe up to the age of 18 years of it old, because that's when they get the rights of consenting adult. But up until that point, you can go, yeah, nah, on this one. This did not please the radio host, <laughs> who kept yelling at me, sir, sir. I was 16 at the time, and by all rights, abortable, by my own express logic. But I appreciated his respect, because he said, sir, sir, are you going to pay for all these children? See, he took my statement as sarcasm and then jumped to the assumption 
that I must be an anti-abortion conservative. And so he continued his rant because in his world, there are only two people. There are the pro-choice, anything goes, and then there are the uh, anti-abortionist conservative losers. And you're one or the other, and he decided it was the second. And so he could continue on with the, are you going to support them? And I said, no, I'm not willing to pay for them. I'm totally with you. In fact, I think it's horrible that there are children living in homes where they are unwanted. And children who live in homes where they cannot be supported financially. So I think we just extend the abortion window. Because as you've suggested, it's a great option to solve these problems. Sir, sir. Actually, he just hung up at me, on me at that point. And then went on with his rant. Let me be clear at this point. I'm neither anti-abortion or pro-abortion. I just found his argument non-coherent and not self-consistent. And that is my view about most of the discussion on abortion. I wonder how it is such an important and complex and involved conversation about defining life, individual freedoms, a conversation containing references to sex and religion, science and faith, how that conversation could be so fucking stupid most of the time. Let me give you another self-absorbed anecdote about my life, since I'm the only person listening to this podcast now that you know what the topic is. <laughs> when I was an undergraduate, I took a class in philosophy on moral theory, and each week or so, the course uh, would have students assigned to a debate about a hot topic issue. By the way, my assigned debate was affirmative action. I'll save that for another time. Anyways, so one of the debates was on abortion. And as with most of these debates, it was one, completely obvious what each side would say. It's, it's my body. You can't tell me what to do with it. Uh, it's a human life. You can't kill it. It isn't its own human while it's in my body. Uh, it has its own heartbeat. Blah, 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 blah. Also... Completely predictable. Number two is that everyone was pissed off and felt righteously indignant. And three, the debate was completely without nuance or any resolution whatsoever. But sitting in the audience, I was a little concerned that the anti-abortion side was so willing to give up that there would be clear cases where an abortion would be allowed. And those were in the cases of rape, incest, and the health of the mother. Clearly, they said, clearly you would allow abortion in those cases. Clearly. As if they're saying clearly gravity will still be a force in the universe tomorrow. Or clearly Courtney is the best looking Kardashian. <laughs> Two Kardashian references, one podcast. Uh, you hear this from anti-abortion politicians all the time. This is a human life. We must protect it unless we're talking about rape, incest, or the life of the mother. And I said, wait, why is that clear? If there's some obvious conditions in which taking this human life is reasonable, and remember the argument is from their side that it's a human life, then why would you give in to these conditions so easily? Doesn't that ruin your argument? So I raised my hand and when called on said, why would you give in to those conditions? I mean, I can see that a discussion could be made if you had to choose between the life of the child and the life of the mother, but we usually don't think of that as a clear-cut decision. And in most cases, we actually err in the favor of the younger person over the older person. 
person. At least that's true in lifeboats and made-up moral dilemmas. And then why is incest on the list? Now, I know everybody's been told that, you know, if you have incest, your child grows up with all these genetic abnormalities. But actually, if you look at the data, the increase in likelihood of a genetic disorder for an ancestral relationship is relatively low. And we can't test for those genetic abnormalities. I mean, we may think ancestral sex is icky, but we don't say you can abort a child just because the parents are both ugly Think even having sex is gross. Like, oh, your conception was nasty. Goodbye. That's what I said. And at this point, students sitting on each side of me in the auditorium started to move away. And then one of the pro-abortion debating girls on the stage turned to me in horror and screamed. And in my mind, she turned into a banshee that looked like Parker Posey in Dazed and Confused. I think that's likely a creative interpretation on my part, but that's what I remember. Anyway, she said, what about if the mother is raped? How dare you make her carry that child that she did not choose and to relive her violence? Here is where a sane person says to Banshee Posey, you are correct. We all agree she has the right to abort the child in this circumstance and would not suggest otherwise. That's what a sane person would say. Instead, I said, well, that sucks. But our society, we don't let the victims of a crime commit another crime to make up for being a victim. We don't allow someone to become a vigilante and kill someone because they killed a member of their family. That's the godfather. And this is even worse because you're not killing the individual who perpetrated the crime. You're not killing the rapist. You're killing someone who's innocent of the crime. Like, if your house is robbed, someone takes your couch, we don't allow you to rob your innocent neighbor and take their couch. If I had taken a dump in my chair in that auditorium, I would have heard less of an audible gasp from the crowd. Banshee Posey screamed at me, this is not robbery, this is rape. A statement which seemed to satisfy her outrage, but was completely irrelevant to my point. (laughs) However, the professor, probably thinking clearly, decided to end the class early and said, well, that's it. Let's everybody go home. Now, obviously, she didn't make a cogent argument against my point about whether the relevance of the crime dismisses the humanity of the fetus. However, I need to also point out my mistakes. First, I started a rape conversation with, yeah, well, that sucks. And that was stupid and showed a lack of empathy. That was misplaced. I also fucked up by bringing up the robbery metaphor, which I like. I actually really like. But it also allowed Banshee Parky, Parky, Banshee Parker to make the unsubstantiated claim that I was comparing rape to robbery. I wasn't at all. But I gave her the opportunity to avoid my point. And for that, I'm truly sorry. And to her credit, her angry lash out at me destroyed any chance I had of making my point, and I was devastated. I sat in my seat with my head down and let everyone else leave the class, like I'm going to be the last one to leave. And I was alone in the auditorium in my seat and felt someone touch my shoulder. It was the TA for the class. I'm pretty sure his last name was Gonzalez. We'd become decent friends because of our constant debates in the discussion sections. He said to me, hey, dude, 
It's okay, but you need to figure out that there are some debates that you can't win and aren't worth fighting for. I think he dangled the proposition. Well, in the subsequent 33 years, I've made literally hundreds of arguments on both sides of the abortion debate and tried to coax out the views of people on both sides. I'll bring it up in almost any situation. And I've argued with vehement pro-abortionists that given genetic testing of fetuses, we could enter an age where parents would be ranking and choosing the aspects of their children that they want. So aborting those on the basis of characteristics that are currently socially acceptable versus what is evolutionarily responsible. That is basically making genetically approved babies using abortion. And that could amplify already harmful social discriminations. So you have moms saying, my girl will genetically have a big Kardashian butt. Yes. Wait, did you check her IQ potential? Also, fuck yeah, three Kardashian references. Or, my boy will potentially be six foot four. Yes. Wait, did you check his potential aggression levels? Maybe pregnancy cho- choices shouldn't be like the dessert tray at the end of the night in a disgusting rich, rich person's restaurant. Maybe that's not a good thing. On the other hand, I've argued with people who are the, on the stupid religious right. And I mean the religious right who think God wrote the Bible, but he hates abortion. And then they ignore that God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, in Genesis. Or that God sacrificed his only son. Those fuckers. And I said, would Jesus allow some drug-ridden 15-year-old pregnant girl to have that child? Or would he have the mercy of deciding that this would harm at least two lives? I mean, there are more miscarriages per year than there are abortions in the United States. So God in his infinite wisdom kills more fetuses than women kill their babies. Listen, the Texas law is stupid. We don't count somebody dead once their heart stops. That's not the rule. We certainly then it's not the definition of life or the definition of beginning of life. The problem is this is an amazing conversation and it's worth more discussion than Thomas Aquinas or Dunn Scott's asking how many angels can fit on the head of a pin. But the discussion doesn't happen. I will give some credit to William Jefferson Clinton. Billy Clinton, our 42nd president, who most notably gave me some really cool uh, cigar tips. But he also postulated that we should figure out how we can make abortion a legal option, but also figure out how to make it less and less frequent of an option that people choose because it makes us feel uneasy. Killing a child, even if you want to call it a fetus, makes most people feel uneasy. How can we make that less and less of a thing? That's a reasonable place to start in a discussion, but it's not happening in many places. Hey, to Banshee Parker, I hope you forgive me. Pass the tequila. Out!